You're listening to Get Fed Today, one podcast designed to provide the Christian a hearty Bible study five days a week. While our mission is to showcase a variety of different Bible teachers, if you want to access more content from a particular pastor, simply listen to the end of the episode for additional information. On behalf of the entire team at Get Fed Today, it is our prayer that today's episode encourages your growth in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Enough to remember the Apollo space launches, they were indeed a sight to behold. They were these giant rockets that were majestically perched up on the launch pads. And then there was the countdown. I love the countdown, you know, it started at about 30 minutes. But then when they got down to about 15 seconds, you know, they always counted down 15, 14. And of course, all of America was gathered around their 15-inch black and white TV screen. And when it got to about 15, you're counting into your TV, 15, 14. And, and it was just such an incredible event. Then when you got to about three seconds in the countdown, the engines would fire. And the flames would just explode from the pad. And then the rocket would begin to shake. The the pad would just sort of fall away. And the rocket with all of this thrust would begin to push upward. It was really a sight to behold. And if you were fortunate enough to have actually been close to one when they went off, it was incredible. The power of the rumble of the shock wave when it hit you because you were miles away. But then when it hit you, it was just like, boom. Well, on July the 16th, 1969, three astronauts led by Commander Neil Armstrong climbed into Apollo 11 for mankind's first trip to land on the moon and to actually walk on it. Now, I got for you this morning a short clip of the Apollo 11 Launch, and I, and I want you to, to experience this because this was me as a 10-year-old kid staring at our TV just in awe. Now, you're not going to be staring at a 10-inch TV, but here it is. T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. 12, 11, 10, 9. Ignition sequence starts. 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, Zero, all engine running. Liftoff, we have a liftoff. 32 minutes past the hour. Liftoff on Apollo 11. Tower cleared. Here we got a roll program. Neil Armstrong reporting their roll and pitch program, which puts Apollo 11 on a proper heading. Now, what made those so fun to me were the narrators. You know, you had these staunchy voiced guys that were at 15, we having, and they're saying all this stuff. You don't have a clue what they're talking about, but it sounded exciting. But, you know, guys, in contrast to the dramatic nature of a launch, there's quite a seemingly peaceful return to Earth. Have you ever seen one come back down? You know, there's just the, the little capsule that's left and the, the three parachutes that have exploded out of it and it drifts slowly down to the Pacific Ocean. It seems like the landing is so peaceful, but the launch is so dramatic. See, at the beginning of any new experience in life, there's excitement, there's anticipation, and there's even anxiety for no one knows what the experience is actually going to bring when we try something new. Sometimes we get better than we anticipate, and sometimes we don't. 
Some trips are met with unexpected challenges. Some are met with unexpected thrills. Most trips that I've been on in life have been some mixture of both, challenges and thrills. And this same thing is true when it comes to our spiritual journeys that God puts us on. They are oftentimes full of surprises. When we launch out on something new and try new things that we never know exactly when God is going to show up and do something unexpected in our lives. And this was the case with the Apostle Peter when he took a short trip down to the coastal city of Joppa. See, he thought he was going down for a little seaside R&R, a little rest and relaxation. But what he got was the launch of a journey that would forever change his life and ultimately change the life of the world. Peter got rocketed on the ride of his life, and it all started in a very unexpected way. It started when Peter laid down to take a nap, waiting for his lunch. And let's read the story and find out what happened. Verse 1, and we're going to read quite a bit this morning, so read along with me. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian regiment, a devout man, and one who feared God with all his household, who gave alms generously to the people and prayed to God always. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius. And when he observed him, he was afraid, and he said, What is it, Lord? And so he said to him, Your prayers and your alms have come up for a memorial before God. Now send men to Joppa and send for Simon, whose surname is Peter. He is lodging with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. He will tell you what you must do. And when the angels spoke to him, had departed, Cornelius called two of his household servants and a devout soldier from among those who waited on him continually. So when he explained all these things to them, he sent them to Joppa. The next day, as they went on their journey and draw near the city, Peter went up on the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. Then he became very hungry and he wanted to eat. But while they made ready, he fell into a trance and saw heaven open and an object like a great sheet abound at the four corners, descending to him and let down to the earth. In it were all kind of four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, and birds of the air. And a voice came and said to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, Not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything common or unclean. And a voice spoke to him again a second time, What God has cleansed you must not call common. This was done three times, and the object was taken up into heaven again. Now, while Peter wandered within him, wondered within himself what this vision which he had seen meant, behold, the men who had been sent from Cornelius had made inquiries for Simon's house and stood before the gate. And they called and asked whether Simon, whose surname was Peter, was lodging there. While Peter thought about the vision, the spirit said to him, behold, three men are seeking you. Arise, therefore, go down and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. Then Peter went down to the men who had been sent to him from Cornelius and said, Yes, I am he whom you seek. 
for what reason have you come? And they said, Cornelius the centurion, a just man, one who fears God and has a good reputation among all the nation of the Jews, was divinely instructed by a holy angel to summon you to his house and to hear words from you. Then he invited them in and lodged them. And the next day, Peter went away with them, and some brothers from, Josh, from Joppa accompanied him. And the following day, they entered Caesarea. Now Cornelius was waiting for them, and he called together his relatives and his close friends. And as Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshiped him. But Peter lifted him up, saying, Stand up, I am also a man. And as he talked with him, he went in and found many who had come together. Then he said to them, You know how unlawful it is for a Jewish man to keep company with or to go to one of another nation. But God has shown me that I shall not call any man common or unclean. Therefore, I came without objection as soon as I was sent for. I asked then, for what reason have you sent for me? And then in verse 30 to 43, Peter recounts the vision that he's gotten from the Lord, and he begins to preach to them the gospel, and then something miraculous happens in verse 44. While Peter was still speaking these words, he's sharing the gospel, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word, and those of the circumcision who believed were astonished as many came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. For Peter, this was just another day in Joppa. It was just another, it was a beautiful day. He was in a beautiful city by the Mediterranean Sea. He was there for just a short vacation. He wanted to get alone with God, but God had other plans. And isn't that the way it often works with the Lord? When we least expect it, God turns something ordinary in our lives to something extraordinary. He turns our normal into something supernatural. God shows up and he changes our plans. Peter, he just went upstairs for a moment of rest. He just wanted to pray. And yet God sparked a vision. See, Peter was waiting on his kosher lunch, but God serves up some southern barbecue instead. <laughs> All this in order to teach Peter that God is about to do something new. And in the vision, he sees this picnic blanket filled with all kind of unclean foods. Now, you know what that is. It's pork, it's bacon, it's birds that weren't clean. All kind of stuff is, is lowered before him. And, and the voice says, Peter, kill and eat. But like any good Jewish boy, Peter refuses. Even though God commands him to do it, he says, not so, Lord. See, Peter is being launched on a, on a journey that he's totally unprepared for. He didn't get up that morning and think, you know what, I'm probably going to see a vision today. And then God's going to probably challenge me to eat something I've never eaten before. That wasn't like that. He's just living life, and all of a sudden, God interrupts him and asks him to do something that he's not prepared for. He's got to learn a lesson that he's got to learn, <coughs> excuse me, if he's going to continue growing as into the man God wants him to be, and if he's going to become the leader in the church that God hopes he will be.
Here's what Peter's going to have to do. He's going to have to let go of some obsolete, deep-rooted beliefs in his life. And I believe that for all of us, this is not an easy thing to do. It might be one of the most difficult things we ever have to do. See, God was closing one chapter in his dealings with man. And he's opening up a whole new chapter. God is moving from law to grace, from Moses to Jesus, from the law that brings sin and death to the spirit that gives life. And the question for Peter this day was, are you ready to grow? Are you ready, Peter? I'm changing things. See, the launch pad of any journey is dangerous and it has its challenges. Over the past 75 years, guys, we've lost a lot of missiles and rockets into the sky. And you know what? On several of them, things went terribly wrong. Plans and designs were faulty and flawed, and the launch ended in disaster. Let me show you one of the more famous ones right here. We don't have any sound for this one, but this is great. It's all ready to go, right? Oh, wouldn't you have loved to have seen that one in person? Now, there were no people in that one, okay? There were no people that got blown up. Guys, listen, just like that rocket right there ended in disaster, I want you to know something. Peter's launch could have ended in disaster as well. He could have crashed and burned. Trust me, there were plenty of things that could have gone wrong. But thankfully, Peter had an open heart to the Lord. He had a strong faith, and therefore he had a successful launch. And what an incredible journey he was on. This morning, for the rest of our time, I want us to examine three keys to any successful launch in our life. We're going to look at the, Peter's experience here on the shores of the Mediterranean, and we're going to see three keys that helped him do what God asked him to do, to try something new, to try something unexpected. See, some of you here today are Sunday-only churchgoers. Your church experience begins and ends before lunch on Sunday morning. Today, I believe God is challenging you to launch out on something new. It's time to grow. See, we've talked this morning about several new opportunities that are coming your way this fall. And is there one that you know you need to join if you're going to grow? Was there one while you were listening to the different things we talked about and, and, and you know, the Holy Spirit kind of sparked in your heart? Boy, you know, I know you don't want to, but you really need to do that. See, guys, to mature further, you have to go further. To mature further, you got to go further. It's more than just coming on Sunday morning. Let's look at what Peter did when challenged with something new. Let's see what ensured his successful launch into this new journey with Jesus. The first key is found in verse 15. There the scripture says, God says to Peter, what God has cleansed, you must not call common. Guys, the first key is you must be willing to go outside your comfort zone if you're going to go further in your walk with God. You got to get outside your comfort zone. 
See, for young Peter, he had never eaten unclean food in his life. He had never enjoyed a good chunk of pork with some barbecue sauce on it. See, his diet had been strictly according to the law of Moses, but now God was changing the rules. All of a sudden, God wants Peter to walk on a higher path, one that will require him to see life and holiness and godliness differently. See, the law had served a purpose in Peter's life, as it had in all of the nation of Israel. But now God was moving to a more powerful and more personal way of dealing with mankind. The approach of grace would take a more spiritual rather than physical way of relating to God and relating to each other. To this point in Peter's life, his relationship with God and with people had been viewed through a very narrow lens of Jewish legalism. And and it had served an important purpose. See, what the law did for Peter and for the rest of the nation was it kept them separated from the surrounding pagan nations. It had helped them avoid the sinful pitfalls of idolatry that many of the other nations around them had embraced. But now God is doing a new thing. His grace had appeared in his son Jesus And now being separate from the world was going to be defined by our love and acceptance of all people in Jesus' name. Let me say that again. Now that grace appeared, being separate from the world was going to be defined by our love and our acceptance of all people in Jesus' name. The grace of God was breaking down walls and barriers. It was bringing all people to the level ground that is at the foot of the cross. Men like Peter and Paul would lead the way down this new path that God was paving. But first, Peter had to overcome his antiquated thinking and his ingrained prejudice that were there in his heart and be willing to love the very people that he once despised and avoided. I want you to stop for a minute and I want you to think about a group of people that you grew up avoiding. Maybe a group of people that you quite frankly despised or at the least wouldn't go around. All of us, if we're honest, have had some people in our lives that we've stayed away from, either because of fear or because of bigotry or because of misunderstanding. Maybe you separated yourself from a group of people for economic reasons because they were well below you on the economic scale or they were well above you on the economic scale and you were a little bit afraid of either group. Or maybe you avoided a a group of people or a person because of the color of their skin. Or maybe it was because of their political stance, that they stood for something politically that you just oppose. And so for that reason, I can't be around them. Or maybe it was just because they were from a different part of the country and they talked a little differently and you were not comfortable. Or now they were from a different part of the world. And they talk a little differently, and you're a little uncomfortable. 
or, or, or maybe it's because they like a certain style of music that you don't understand, or you like a certain style of music that they don't understand, and so we just kind of keep our distance. You avoid them because they're different. What if God suddenly told you this morning that if you're going to go further in your relationship with him and in your walk with him, you're going to have to stop avoiding them. And even more, you're going to have to eat dinner with them and fellowship with them. And if you're really going to love Jesus, you're going to have to love them and accept them and even befriend them. Would you be willing to go outside your comfort zone and allow God to change your thinking about that group of people, about that person? Would you be willing to follow obediently while God challenged your antiquated beliefs and your antiquated fears? Guys, in this, this is in essence exactly what God is telling Peter to do. Look at what Peter says to Cornelius in verse 28. He says, but God has shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean. You know the reason that God had shown him that? Because at one time in his life, well, really for his whole life, he did. He looked at a group of people and he said, they're not like me. I can't be around them. The very act of walking into Cornelius' house was Peter saying goodbye to a lifetime of prejudice and misunderstanding. And could that be true for you as well? For you to walk into somebody's house, somebody that for all of your life you've just sort of avoided, to walk into their house and to sit down and have dinner, would it be for you having to say goodbye to a lifetime of wrong thinking. See, this was the first step to Peter's new journey with Jesus. He had to get outside his comfort zone with people if he was gonna move forward with God. Are you willing to get outside your comfort zone? The second key is found in verse 19 and 20. While Peter thought about the vision, the spirit said to him, behold, three men are seeking you. Arise therefore, go down and go with them, doubting nothing for I have sent them. The second key to Peter's successful launch on his new journey was this. He was willing to follow by faith and not falter to fear. The number one factor that will stop many of you from coming on Monday nights to free indeed will simply be your fear. You're afraid to let other people know what you're dealing with. You're afraid to let other people know that you got problems. Guys, fear keeps us in bondage more than any other single thing. See, it's one thing to know you need help. It's quite another to act on that knowledge. It's one thing to know you need fellowship with other men or other women in the church, but it's another thing to go and sign up for a small group. It takes a lot more to do that when you're afraid of people. See, the vision that Peter saw, was it had challenged his thinking. And to a large degree, it had stunned him. 
he was just sitting there pondering and thinking, how can this be? I've thought this way all my life, and now, God, you come to me and tell me that I'm wrong, that I've been thinking wrong. And yet, for Peter, that is exactly what happened. But now the truth was, Peter, now that I've told you that, are you willing to act on it? Instantly, he had to go to step two. Did he have the faith and the courage to act? Did he have the faith to let his feet go where his changing mind was going? And trust me, that is far more difficult. See, our understanding can change, but that doesn't mean we're ready to let ourselves go there. You see, it's one thing to change your opinion about a particular subject. Most of us have. Most of us have grown and matured. We've changed our thinking on some things. But then we have to let faith take over and let us overcome the fears and to act on those new convictions. Let's say that all your life you believed that the Georgia Bulldog fans were this group of obnoxious, loud, arrogant country folks who got their diploma by driving through Athens and somebody just threw it at them and they grabbed it. <laughs> but suddenly one day, one of your daughters wants to go to school there. Make that two of your daughters want to go to school in Athens. And so you begin to think differently. Over time, you realize that they really do have to go to class. And it, it appears that they're learning something because they're telling you some things when they come home from school on the weekends. And then they actually get a report card at the end of the semester that proves that they were there. But then they want you to go to a game. They want you to get in your car and drive east on Highway 316 on a Saturday afternoon and sit with those people. They've even had the gumption to ask you to wear red and black. Now, over time, your thinking has changed. But are you ready to embrace them? Are you ready to join them in cheering for a team whose mascot is this ugly, slobbering breed of a dog? Are you really ready to step over that much of a threshold? Guys, in a real sense, this is exactly where Peter finds himself. He is beginning to understand what God is saying to him. He's, he's, his thinking is changing, but is he ready to act on it? Is he willing to step out and go there with those men? For Peter, the answer is a resounding yes. Without hesitation, he invited them into his home. And then the next day, he departs with them. And if you don't think he had some fear to overcome and some prejudice, prejudice to deal with, 
then you don't realize how human Peter was. I know, I can promise you, as he's walking down the road and they're getting closer and closer to Cornelius' house, I can tell you what's happening. His stomach is getting queasier and queasier. Sweat beads are starting to form on his head because he's having second thoughts and he's thinking, did I really hear from God on this? Am I really ready for this? See, what are you afraid of that's keeping you from being obedient? What's keeping you from joining that small group study? What's keeping you from coming on Monday nights and dealing with that sin that's got a grip in your life? If you're a high schooler this morning, what fearful thing has a grip on your life that, that says, I'll come on Sunday, but I ain't coming on Wednesday? Don't know those kids. They're different from me. That's not my group. It's not my friends. Guys, is it fear of people? I think for a lot of us it is. Is it fear of being uncovered for being a little less than you want people to think you are? That's a very real fear. Is it fear of being rejected? If they knew what I really am, they wouldn't love me. <laughs> Those are all very real fears, guys. They're fears that we all share. It's part of the human experience to feel this way. But the question is, do we have the faith to face our fears, to trust God and, like Peter did, and to, and to by faith say, I'm going anyway. He was willing to take a chance on the truth that God had revealed to him. Are you willing to take a chance? What is the issue that God is speaking to in your life that has, he, he's changed your thinking but he hasn't got your feet moving yet. Are you ready to get moving? You know, there's a great verse in 2 Timothy chapter, seven, chapter 3, verse 7. Paul describes a group of people, and this is the way he describes them. They are those who are always learning, but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. In other words, there's a group of people out there that their thinking changes, but their behavior never does. Is that you? Are you always learning and your mind is changing and yet your feet never move? You just don't have the faith to act. What good is knowledge and understanding if it never makes me a different person? You come every Sunday morning, you learn the scriptures. What good is it doing you if I don't change? Do I have the faith to overcome the fear that holds me where I'm at? The third key to Peter's successful launch was found in verse 28 and 29. Then he said to them, you know how unlawful it is for a Jewish man to keep company with or to go to one of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean. Notice, therefore I came without objection as soon as I was sent for. The third key to Peter's successful launch was he acted without hesitation. In other words, he didn't wait for a more convenient time. He didn't spend a month thinking this thing through. I got to make sure I really heard from the Lord on this one. You know, I'm just going to put on hold for just a little while. 
Guys, the most powerful tool that Satan has in his tool chest is procrastination. All he wants to do is get you to wait. He convinces us that we will make the change, just not today. What's the rush? What's the hurry? We'll act on what God has spoken to us in that Bible study, but there's really no hurry. Then we walk out of here on Sunday morning, and as soon as we get home, the urgency about what God has said to us begins to fade. And guys, by the next day, we've totally forgotten what it was. I know this is true because this has been the case in my life many times. I'm going to tell you, I have found that if I don't act quickly on what the Lord is speaking to me about, life gets in the way. The cares and the concerns of this world totally distract me away from the word that God had sown in my heart. Have you found that to be true? That if you don't act on it, trust me, suddenly things come up at work and things come up at home and the kids are screaming and you no more get to the car than you've forgotten what the issue was. Don't let the quiet voice of the Holy Spirit get lost in this noisy world. It will if you don't do something immediately. You've got to keep those precious thoughts and those impressions that the Holy Spirit has put in your heart from being lost. Be a Peter. Act without objection or, or hesitation as soon as you get that knock at your door. I love it. As soon as those guys knocked on the door, Peter was coming downstairs. I already know what this is about. I'm ready. He, he acted without hesitation. I'll close with just a, a verse out of Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 8. It's an it's a, it's a interesting verse. It says, the end of a thing is better than the beginning. And you know, this is really true when it comes to spiritual change and spiritual growth. You know why? Because the beginning of spiritual growth usually starts with something that makes us uncomfortable. Because God knows he has to stretch us a little bit. He knows that he has to require us to, to take faith and courage. And, and we have to have the willingness to face some things that we're afraid of. And we don't like that. But that's what it takes, at least at the beginning. And that's what makes the beginning so hard. But now the end of a thing is better. Why? Because when you get to the end of a spiritual journey, man, you have grown. You have matured. You have changed the way you think. You have changed some behavior patterns. And suddenly you find yourself in a really good place. What in the beginning was so uncomfortable in the end becomes so right and so cozy. This was eventually the case with Peter. Finally, Peter got used to eating with us Gentiles, but it took him a while. As a matter of fact, we read over in Galatians that on another occasion, Peter was eating with the Gentiles and some of his Jewish buddies came from Jerusalem. You know what Peter did when they got there? Got to get away from these Gentiles. Got to quit eating this kind of food. And you know what Paul did? He got in his face and he rebuked him. And you know, what's interesting about that is that you would think that in Acts chapter 10, Peter had learned his lesson. Well, he did. But you know, so often the case with us, we don't learn it the first time around. 
or even when we learn it, we still struggle. Because, guys, listen, those old ways of thinking, those old prejudices, those old thought patterns, they don't just disappear when we change our mind. We have to battle them over and over and over again. And you will too, I promise you. But hey, if you're going to launch something new in your life, and I hope you will this fall, I hope you'll take advantage of some of the things that are out there to make you more than a Sunday-only church goer. But if you're going to, it's going to require three things. You got to be willing to go outside your comfort zone, I promise you. You got to be willing to follow by faith and overcome some of those fears in your life. And you need to do it. You got to be willing to do it without hesitation because trust me, if you hesitate, Satan will be there with the cares of this world and he will snatch that thing away so fast you won't believe it. So guys, what is the Lord speaking to your heart about? What is the next step for you? Are you ready to take it? Let's pray together. Thank you for listening to Get Fed Today. Today's sermon comes from Pastor James Chapman. If you enjoy the message, you can access more of Pastor James' teaching ministry by visiting calvarycsm.org.